There is at the Levering household on our dining room table, right in the middle, a pie pan. And that pie pan is empty. To which some of you say, big surprise, Eric Levering, big surprise. That pie dish is actually not for pie. I know, tragedy, travesty, uh, terrible. But the purpose of it is that my wife put this pie dish in the middle of the table, the beginning of November. And every time we gather as a family to eat, we start by thanking God for our blessings. And we go around and we do our best not to repeat. And every, every little, she has these little fall colored leaves and they're all blank. And we each take one and we write a blessing and we put it into the pie dish. Now here we are. November 13th, and it's starting to get kind of full, and it's becoming a little harder to think about a blessing that hasn't already yet been named. It's a wonderful discipline. I'm glad my wife thought of it, because it reminds me of the importance of graciousness and gratitude and thanksgiving, and I am so honored and privileged that we live in a country where we celebrate that every year. It's easy to to get out of that mindset where you're just complaining and griping. Stop for just a second. Listen. Now, if you probably can't hear it on the podcast, but the rest of us in here just heard the the besides the silence, the only thing we heard were the sound of little babies. Now, there's two ways to look at that. There's one way that says, oh, the children making all the noise. I sure wish they would take them outside. wonder why they're even here. But there's another perspective that says, I sure am thankful that those babies come to church because they bring their parents right along with them. (laughs) Folks, I have heard quiet churches where the nurseries are empty and the training rooms have no little children in them. And those churches beg to have problems. I even call it a problem like we have. Thank you, young parents, for bringing your little children. Thank you for teaching them about the Lord. Thank you, you, oh, thank you for sitting in a pew and and thinking, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm spilling Cheerios everywhere. People are looking at me. Believe me, when you come to Northside with your little children, we are so thankful that you do. And that's why we provide nurseries and training rooms and you know, a first-class kids program. Because we want, like our Savior did, the little children to come. Because those little children that are sitting and learning and and noise and rambunctious and energy and life tomorrow fill the pews with believers and people who are going to lead the next generation of the church. So thank you for what you do. See, it's a matter of perspective about how you look at things, whether you're grateful and gracious and appreciative or where you're always looking for something to complain about. That's what we're going to do in this series is focus not so much on all of the problems and the negativity. We got a lot of that in the world. And unfortunately, even in the church, sometimes there are people who just that's their full time hobby. They feel like it's their spiritual gift to point out everything that's going wrong in the church. 
That may, is working of a spirit, but that's not working of the spirit. God wants his people to be joyful and gracious and hopeful. And he wants us to take time to appreciate and, yes, even name our blessings. And to think about how good it is to be a part of the church. So that's what this series is about. If you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 16, Romans chapter 16 is a weird chapter of the Bible. Romans chapter 16 is this list that Paul makes and he says, send greetings to so-and-so, greet so-and-so. I want you to commend sister so-and-so. And it's just this, this holy list, Paul's shout out to the church Name by name. Have you ever stopped as you're reading that in your daily Bible reading or you just come across it and you think, why is that list in there? Why did God, using Paul's hand, guided by the Spirit, put this list of people in Romans 16, those people whom we do not know, that only God, the Holy Spirit, and Paul himself even have a clue who they are? Why bother taking a single chapter, and he does this in other places as well, of holy writ to name these people? I think it's important. I think there's a lesson for us. I think God wants us to get something. That when we think of church, if you think of a building, if you think of a place, a people, an address, God doesn't want you to think about church like that. He wants you to think of church as people. As individuals who do God's work, who carry out God's purpose, who continue the mission. I love God's church. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I am so thankful for his church. Now, I say that from my heart. Uh, Some of you know my story, but some of you don't. I was not raised going to church. I didn't I wasn't there every Sunday. The B.I.B.L.E. was not the book for me. It wasn't until a few specific people, a Michael Clausen, who invited me to go to Awana's with his church near Whitewater, Kansas. And later on, I would go to church with my grandmother at the Emporia Avenue Church of Christ. And it was there that I learned about the gospel of Jesus It was there that I learned the hope of the gospel. And I was so encouraged. And I was baptized. The problem was, Emporia Avenue was in South Wichita, Seals in South Wichita, and I lived in Mulvane, Kansas. And so after I was baptized, I I told my great aunt, I said, well, I guess I'll just go to church in Mulvane because that's where it's closest. And she, she just looked at me with wisdom and said, Toby... I think you need to keep coming to Emporia Avenue because I think the church will do you a great deal of good. Now, I did not know, (laughs) I could not have known what she meant by that. But looking back on it, I am so thankful that she did. I am so thankful that she kept me. Not that the Mulvane Church is bad. They're wonderful brothers and sisters. But she introduced me to a group of people I say it this way, Jesus redeemed me, but it was the church that raised me. It was people like, again, I'm going to go into Paul's list. You're not even going to know these people. 
And people like Peggy Wallace, a dear sweet lady that rode to church with me with another family, that they took us every Sunday, every Wednesday, and we sat in the back seat of that car for so many miles. And Peggy Wallace, who is a dear sweet sister in Christ who has gone on to her reward, but she sat in the back of that car and she infused me with joy and enthusiasm and encouragement. And best of all, that woman could make pie like no one's business. But she taught me what it meant to be a joyful, hope-filled, positive Christian. And I wouldn't have learned that lesson were it not for the church. It's people like Tom Henry. Tom was uh, not a guy you would probably know by name, but he sat in the pews. And, and I, every time I would get up to speak, whether it was speaking at the Lord's table or, or coming up on a Wednesday night, or I can still remember my very first Sunday sermon. And Tom would sit there, and he'd go through his little Toastmasters checklist, and he'd take notes on my sermon, and he'd come up right after, and he'd tell me, and I'm in that very first sermon, you would have thought I was Zig Ziglar. I mean, he told me how good I did, and how great it was, and how fabulous it was, and how great we needed young men like you to keep doing that. And I walked out of there going, man, I can really do this. <laughs> I couldn't. But what was Tom doing there? He was encouraging me. And Tom would take me and he'd take me around to these little churches that couldn't afford a full-time preacher. And he'd, he'd say, now, Toby, we'd like you to speak. And so I'd go up there with him. That wasn't really, they wanted me to speak. Tom just sort of encouraged them. And I'd preach to these churches of 10, 20, 40 people. And I'd learn how to exposit the word. And, and the more I did it, Tom would gently give me a little, okay, work on this and think about this. And don't tell that joke and worry about this. Okay. Still need a few toms. But I am where I am, not in, due, in part not because of who I am, but because of who he was. That's the church. And there's so many stories like that where we need to hear people's names and stories and what they do. It is easy to find fault. Some people find fault like there's a reward for it, but God's people... God's people like him are supposed to be seekers of the good and the good that's going on in the church. So I'm so thankful for the church because it was those people who took me to church, who taught me the Bible, who walked with me, who encouraged me, who prayed with me. And not the least of those, it's also where I met my wife. I still remember the very day she walked into the classroom. I'm sure we were learning about Jesus, but I'm not sure what else we were talking about. And you ask her, she has the same feeling. She just walked in. She was so distracted by my handsomeness. <laughs> the church is not a perfect place, but she's made perfect by Jesus. And people who love Jesus and follow his word and are led by his spirit are going to do what Jesus wants them to do. So this morning I give to you my list. And we got a lot to go through, so I'm going to go through pretty quickly. But I want us to begin to focus on the good that happens in the church. Because I can say I'm, I'm definitely not where I am were it not for the church, but you're in the same place. You would not be who you are in Christ if you were not for the church. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Paul writes, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. 
I love his church because we encourage people like Kim Babish, who always has a smile on her face and a word of encouragement, or my dear sister Margie Case Bolt, who's always right there telling me what we are doing good and and how encouraged she is by the youth group and always wanting to make sure everybody gets to go to camp. I'm always thankful for folks like Jeff and Jenny Martin, who lead a wonderful small group, who are uplifting and encouraging to be around, who have servant hearts, and people like Brad Sibley, who's one of the first folks to get to the hospital, uh, send a note or encourage a newcomer. People like Anna Petersburg, who for almost a full year sent text messages with Scripture to me, and I know that she continues to do that with Mike as well. People like the Neislers, who are committed, who use their talents, who are joyful, even when they're watching a bunch of little kids on Sunday night, and they're thinking, Toby, please shorten it up just a little bit. I'm so thankful for people like Randy and Kenita Short, who, who show the gift of hospitality and send countless cards. I'm so thankful for gentlemen like Calvin Nagley. Has anybody in here not been hugged by Calvin Nagley? I'm thankful for people like Rose Shady, who's uh, encouraging and positive and optimistic almost to a fault. <laughs> she is so joyful and so enthusiastic. And I'm, I'm jesting. She is a wonderfully encouraging person. This last week, I, my wife is a part of a, a Titus 2 group, and they were doing something for their owls. The, the chicks, the younger gr- ladies, were hosting a dinner for their owls. And so I took the kids out to go see a movie, our kids out to go see a movie, and I came back in. And I had to park about a block and a half away, first of all. And as we got about a block away, I could hear noise coming from the house. And the noise was the, the noise of joy and laughter and encouragement. And it got louder and louder until the kids and I walked in and I told them to go give them a mom, mom a quick hug and a kiss goodnight. But as they did that, I looked around at that table full of Christian sisters encouraging one another and helping one another and building each other up. Thank you, Treva and Cindy, for getting... Titus two groups going. Thank you for the women that participate. And, and there are houses full of laughing, encouraging, loving women helping one another. It's so encouraging. I love his church because we give. We give our time, our treasure, our talent. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should give whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, when it comes to this, it's a little touchy. First of all, because I don't know who gives what. I don't desire to know any of that. But I will tell you that Northside is a giving congregation. And Northside has not only supported our own offering, but missions around the world. Know your Bible for 30 years. The Women's Conference, Wichita Work Camp. That happens because of you. Some are big gifts, some are small gifts. But the, the giving that happens makes good work And that's just the public stuff. That's just the stuff on the budget. Uh, There's lots of things that go on beyond that. People uh, in a classroom taking up an offering to help a family who's struggling. Or someone who reaches out to help someone in a benevolent need. Individuals supporting kids going to camp or mission works. Uh, All sorts of good things. All of the FPU directors, Frank McKee and the Hellers and, and many others who are out there helping people who can't because they're just strapped learn God's ways of handling money. That's wonderful. 
That's a great gift of yourself and your time. People like Ernie and Rosalie Stevens, who I can hardly beat to the building every Sunday, and who are amongst the last ones to leave and lock up. And not only do they open up and lock up, but they prepare communion on Sundays as well. People like Tricia Weber, who's using her artistic gifts to help other ladies immerse themselves in God's word. Or Gloria Newsom, who has walked and encouraged with so many people in Celebrate Recovery. And Elaine told me that she had, had, has many times said, you should go see Gloria. And Gloria, and the reply is, oh, Gloria's already been doing that with me. Eric Andre and Sarah Holt use their gifts of design to create our church logos and the sermon graphics. Laura Weber is always more than willing, Mike said, to step up to lead a girls' devotional or Bible study with the youth group girls. For that matter, she's willing to do just about anything. Third, I love this church because we have godly leaders. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. They are keeping watch over your souls. So as those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Oh, of course, we have lots of leaders and ministry teams at Northside. Lots of what I call water heater leaders. <laughs> uh, they're mostly unseen, but they get the job done. And you know when they're not getting the job done, uh, something's broken. In the church, the Bible describes those who lead the church above and beyond that. They're called elders. The original word can also mean shepherds, and I think it describes so well what they do. At Northside, we have seven men who, in addition to their own families and their own lives and their own jobs and their own companies to run, they lead the church far more than you will ever know. They come early. They're the last to leave. They set the vision for the future. They maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace in the present these men must give continual consideration to all, to all the sheep. They're constantly thinking about the sheep that they have, the new sheep coming in, the lost sheep, the sick sheep, the struggling sheep, the sheep that need prayers. But it is their good shepherd and their love for his sheep that keeps them going. At Northside, we have seven men who devote themselves to loving, teaching, leading, shepherding, and praying for this flock. Albert Brensing, Brent Groves, Ron Mock, Clayton McCullough, Brian Middleton, Doug Wagner, and James Wilson. These men keep watch over us. And if you were in their shoes for just one Sunday, you'd probably stop going to church. Because they only deal with the hard stuff and the stuff that takes the, the long work. They only deal with the difficulties and the trials. And yes, there's some good things, but those men take seriously their role as shepherds. So the next time you see them, if you talk to a shepherd today or any other day, thank them for what they do. Hug them for what they do. Yeah, they might be a little uncomfortable with that, but hug them anyway. Pray for them. Pray with them and remind them how loved they are and how much we appreciate them and how wonderful it is to have strong, unified, spirit-led men to lead a congregation. There are many churches that do not have that. Please take the time to thank the men that we have and their wives, by the way, who give up a great deal 
so that our shepherds can do what they do. Let's show them our appreciation this morning. I love his church because we persevere. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider up pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials and, uh, of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We've had lots of people who've been through trials, and they've used the comfort that God has given them to comfort other people. I could mention just a couple of names. The Bannons, of course, are well-known story. She and Aaron have been courageous parents as they went through their with their daughter Bailey a treatment for cancer. But Brianne has turned that around into a hair fairy ministry. It's such a wonderful story. She's written two books for children with cancer and their families. She's visiting hospitals. She's seeking to serve people who are all along a similar path. Tristan and Leslie Block, parents of a special needs son Callum. And two other older children. They continually, every time they're here, I'm encouraged. Because I'm reminded of the journey that they've been through. And yet they keep at it. They don't give up. And I know that it's hard. And I know that sometimes the days are long. I love his church because we're full of people like that who persevere. I love his church because we pray. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. First John chapter 5, this is the confidence we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to what his will is, he hears us. I'm so thankful because I know we pray in a public way. You hear that Sunday morning, you hear that Wednesday nights, you hear that Sunday nights. But we pray in so many other ways. Uh, it doesn't take very long for me to look over and see Justin Abraham with his arm around someone nearly every single week. Is there anyone here that Justin hasn't encouraged and prayed for specifically? I think about Billy Swan and Ginger Mock. Both of these ladies distribute the weekly prayer request uh, to hundreds of Northsiders every single, almost day, uh, through the prayer tree email list. I told Billy, uh, she's better than Google sometimes. She can, she's faster too. I think of men like Roy Helm who consistently persistently, faithfully prays. And he has a list of people that he prays for every single day. And he didn't tell everybody about that, but my wife was on there for a long time, may still be. And he would tell her every time he saw her how much he loved her, how much he was praying for her, and that God was going to remember her, if only because Roy wasn't going to give up. Last Sunday, if you were here on Sunday night, what a powerful time that was. To hear from our shepherds praying from their hearts. We went with our small group after Sunday night. We went out to Brahms. And as we were sitting there, on about 7.45, things started shaking. And see the glasses on the table moving. And I thought, well, we either had an earthquake or Chuck Norris just came into town. <laughs> but it reminded me of Acts 4.31. The scripture there says of that church at that time, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
I love being a church, part of a church that prays boldly. And I haven't even touched the hem of the garment when it comes to people who pray individually and personally and as groups and as classes and people who are prayer warriors constantly in season, out of season. They don't give up because they know the power of prayer. Number six, I love this church because we reach out. Jesus told us in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Now, when we think of that, we think often of our global missions in Minnesota and Argentina and Scotland and Mexico and World Christian Broadcasting, or we think of our local mission outreaches through Know Your Bible and CR, or we think of our individual missionaries, people who've gone on mission trips, students who've gone on medical missions, um, Families that have gone to places like China and Scotland uh, and Japan, there have been many, many folks who have gone out, but there are also people that reach out here at home, too. I'm encouraged every time I see Jerry and Hazel Clothier because they bring their grandkids and their great-grandkids to Bible classes every time they can. They want their grandchildren to know the Lord. I think about David Moore, who does that so faithfully, who would tell everybody in his family who will listen about Jesus and about the church. I think about Rob Dobbs, who's constantly reaching out to people who come to see him as patients. And they, he might work on their back a little bit, but what he really helps them to do is to know the Lord. I think about people like Autumn Pericolosi, who works tirelessly, tirelessly for those who are in prison and to give them who the world has forgotten encouragement. I think about Ben and Kelly Tyson, who bring a number of children to Northside and have done so for a long time. They bring families and just people who might not otherwise know Jesus. I'm so thankful for their hearts. I'm so thankful for teens like Jasper Kingsley. Mike said he's one of the most friendliest and welcoming teens to our visitors and guests in the teen class. Number seven, I love his church because we underrow. I'm... And I listen, I've been a, a major part of four churches in my lifetime. And I have yet to see, this is not to brag on Northside, but this is to say that's our culture. This list is so long of people who follow Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. It be simple things like, Meeting people at the door. I think of my dear beloved and the late brother Bob Kingsley, who would stand at that door faithfully and greet people with a smile and a hug. And he was the same man on Sunday morning that you'd see Monday through Saturday in the town of Sedgwick driving a bus or at the ball games because he gave it his all to loving people. I think about Laura Atwater, who has served faithfully watching kids on Thursday nights for CR for five years. I think that's almost a degree in youth ministry, Laura. That's, whew. Cheryl Ruth Shepherds has also helped in that capacity. I think about Russie and Willa Rose Dennis. And, of course, Willa Rose's health does not allow her to do now. But for so many years, there wasn't a time that the doors weren't open that Russie and Willa Rose weren't here serving a meal, greeting, passing out handouts as you entered the door. They have served and served and served. Virginia Bogart works in such an untiring, untiring capacity, whether it's women's conference or safari or fall festival or 
Annie and John Downey with guest lunch and Wednesday night meals and senior support and weddings and showers. Mike said that Wes Decker and Andy Duncan and John and Lori Dunham were one of the first people to help when they came into town. Mike and Kayla came from Texas and they bought this house and had a lot of things that needed doing. And they did a lot of those things for them without any thought of being paid back. They just jumped in and helped. They were encouraging beyond that with words and prayers and notes. They've not given up. Rhonda Arrow has given hours of writing curriculum for Celebration Station. She uses her gift of teaching and writing and creativity as well as her knowledge of CR. Dylan Clausen, who was down here this morning serving, I noticed. He has served passing out Sunday morning handouts and for many years collected the cards. And he's even been known to help a guest find a seat when needed. Cheryl Lahari, faithful Cheryl and John, they cook and organize so many cooking things and meals for events. They volunteered uncounted hours upon hours for Wednesday night meals and funeral meals and Wichita work camp and on and on. And Larry McKinley and Larry Potter both, I call them the Larrys, since 2003, those men have volunteered hours upon hours upon hours every week to make sure that the sermon and the worship gets edited, copied, uploaded. Uh, When you're hearing this CD or this sermon after the Sunday it was delivered, it's due in part to one of the Larrys. Don and Archie Mock, who for many years hosted a cookout for the whole church, and they continued to do it, and it grew so much where it became two cookouts. They'd spend days getting the meat ready and their property ready for nearly uh, so many of Northside to come out and to be a part. Jamie Womack, who's a willing volunteer, she teaches, she babysits, she decorates, she cooks, she organizes. Um, Pat Buttermore, Cindy Foster, Donna Pearson, whenever there's a new members class, Mark said, or a dinner, these three grandmothers call Mark and they say, how can we help with the kids? They cheerfully go out of their way. Now that's just like a tenth of the list, but that gives you an idea of how much we underrow at Northside. We don't do it to be noticed. We do it because it needs doing. I love his church because we teach. Jesus said that a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. We have so many people who teach at the adult level, people like Carl Wheeler and Steve Tandy and Brent Groves and Clayton McCullough and Doug Wagner and many others over the years. Or people that work with the children like Diane Emery and Glenda Hall. Those women have been doing that so long and so well that people from York College ask them to come up and teach other teachers in other churches how to teach kids' classes. When you bring your children to kids' class, especially Diane and Glenda's class, you're getting a world-class experience for them. Ryan and Leanne Woodard down here in, in the loft, they, every week, they not only love the loft 252 kids, our 5th and 6th graders, but they teach them during class time and then they arrange for them to live the word through service projects and through other ministry events. Margaret Shady, who teaches a Wednesday morning ladies' class, and Angie Weber, who teaches a Tuesday morning ladies' class. Brenda Heller has many times, according to Norma, waited in the resource room with her until classes began and asked her if she needed a sub anywhere. Brenda's a professional teacher, but she's willing to take her gifts and do whatever is needed, even at the last minute. I love his church, number nine, because we work together. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4. By the way, this is the playset moving ministry, which is a new thing at Northside. You, you, can, you can ask Mark about it. Two are better than one, says the wise man, because they have a good reward for their toil. We've got so many teams at Northside, whether it's missions oversight team, the youth group parent team, the women's conference oversight team, Wichita work camp, celebrate recovery, Wednesday night meals, small groups. We believe in here the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? No, not one bite at a time, but with lots and lots of forks. If you're at Northside, I want to encourage you to join up on a team. Now, the danger in doing a sermon like this is that you, you are going to sit there and think, well, what about this and what about this? And he didn't mention me. Okay, first of all, stop. Second of all, I got it covered. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make your list. Do we do any of these things perfectly? Nope, no church does. But I need to tell you, you need to stop looking for a perfect church. It does not exist. And by the way, if it did, you couldn't go. And neither could I. So let's get busy in the imperfect church and serve in every way to make it better. There's a reason for counting your blessings. It makes you stop and realize how beautiful and wonderful the bride of Christ really is. The church is a blessing. And if you're in Christ, the church is you. So think about who has blessed you. Who's on your list? Who's been an encouragement to you? Who's edified you? Who's taught you? Who's matured you? Who's growed you up, grew you up in Christ? I'm going to show you some pictures. And while I'm showing you the pictures, I want you to work. And I want you to at least write three names of people who are on your list. I know it's cool to look at the pictures, but don't forget to write down the names. I love this church. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for his church. I know she's not perfect, but God has a purpose for the church. So I hope you've made your list, and now what I want you to do is to thank them. Find that person, whoever's name you wrote down, and call them, send them a text message, send them an email, message that person on Facebook, or whatever you do, but do it this week. And if you've got more than three names, even better. And finally, I want you to jump in. Find one thing you can do. Everybody can do something. Uh, you don't have to do everything. And if you're not sure, you can ask Mark. He'll help you. Again, I'll go back to our verse that we led with this morning. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor is not in vain. This morning, if you haven't committed to Jesus as Lord, 
then you're not yet a part of his body, the church. If you're ready to do that by confessing faith in him or being baptized and being baptized into his name, we want to help you with that. Our shepherds will meet you down front. Or if you're in Christ, but you need to remember that you weren't just saved from something, but you were saved for something, I hope that you'll be thinking about how we can work together. Whatever your need is, please come if you have one together as we stand and sing.